Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to this next episode of Headstrong. You're listening with me, Louis Strong. Headstrong is a podcast where I sit down with a variety of individuals in the public eye to have a chat with them about their lives and their careers, but notably I want to talk to them about their vulnerabilities and the times where they felt not comfortable. And I want to do this to inspire you, the listener, to understand what it means to be headstrong. Now, on today's episode, I have the actor, Dominic Anderson. Now, I'd never actually met Dominic before I recorded this podcast, but we'd exchanged a number of texts and indeed were both on the credit list for Glow and Darkness, a great TV show that's going to be coming out in 2021. I wanted to talk to Dom about his time in theatre and then transitioning over to film, but also his time spent at the Edinburgh Fringe and the highs and lows of all this. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Dom, thank you very much for joining me on Headstrong. Where does this podcast find you at the moment? Um, I am in Madrid. <clears throat> very nice, very nice. And you've got a, a humble day off. Yeah, I've had a few actually uh, this week, which is, which is unusual. So, so that's been nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a pleasure to, to speak to you and actually hear your voice for the first time, <laughs> considering we've been probably been speaking for a number of months now over WhatsApp and messages, talking all things here, there and everywhere. We've talked about glow and darkness. We've gone through your, your tips on stocks and shares for me. And of course, the oh, yeah. those, hopefully they, uh, hopefully they play off well. <laughs> Do you know what? I, following your advice, I, I went on the, on, the, on the app and I went on the hypothetical uh, investment route 
And right. had, it, had it been real money, I'd be sitting rather, everyone would be putting, getting nice Christmas presents, put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I know that as soon as it goes uh, real money, I'm sure it'd go the other way. Yeah, it gets a bit nerve wracking. It's uh, been trying to hold my nerve, but some of them I'm just like, oh, sell, sell, sell. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting time for me to be having a chat with you, particularly as you're in the middle of shooting uh, Glow and Darkness and you're rubbing shoulders with some pretty epic actors. In fact, I saw that Ed Westwick's been uh, added to the cast. Yeah, that was a, that was a surprise. And then I th- I'm pretty sure, I don't know if this is, this is common knowledge, but Eduardo Noriega has just randomly gone for a fitting. So, Well, there we are. Well, you're the man who's going to know first. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd think so. <laughs> <laughs> but before we talk about um, what was going on in the present and everything, I'd quite, I'm quite fascinated to talk to you about how you broke into the industry, particularly from your childhood and your early life. So you were, grew up in Maidenhead, am I right? Yeah, 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 Maidenhead, so just outside Windsor. And what was it like growing up, particularly as you kind of navigated your way through several schools? You weren't kind of cemented in one place. What was that like? It was a weird... Um... It was a weird kind of uh, transition through schools. I did, um, <clears throat> I started kind of locally. I'm in a place called St. Pyrens, which was, what I did, I don't even know what age. And then I went, went to Lambrook Calebury, all the way in like Ascot. I know Lambrook, yeah. Yeah, Lambrook was great. It was beautiful. The, the fields and, and the grounds are just stunning. And then um, from there, I went to Reading Bluecoat. Uh, and then I randomly came back to First Platt Senior School, like where next to where I live. I think it was convenient and a cheaper option. And then um, ended up at uh, Henley College and then obviously bounced off to drama school and then the rest is kind of history. What's the, what's that, what was that like then, going from school to school and kind of transitioning through friendship groups to friendship groups and probably wanting to stay in touch with some but then feeling obliged to make friends with others and then also a new environment altogether? What was that like? Yeah, I guess you you kind of learn... I guess you guess get a sense of independence, I suppose, through kind of never really being fully rooted. You don't have that group of friends to fall back on the whole time. So you kind of you kind of develop this real strong fight, um, I, I suppose. And and you know, sometimes it would make me a little bit rottweiler amongst new friends and it's quite hard to integrate and I'd have to, you know. Let the barrier down, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, um yeah, I learned a lot of new skills because I was meeting a lot of different people as well. So it was quite good for me. I suppose. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. What was what was there a particular reason for all the for the the changing of schools? Or was it first personal circumstances? To be honest, I think a number of things. You know, financial. I guess uh, you know my father was my stepfather's banker, um, and so you know when the, the credit crisis came, I suppose I suppose it was probably easier to get me out of a private system into the state system and. And yeah, so without meaning to, I suppose it kind of diversified me. How, how did drama fit in then as a, as a young adult and growing up into all these schools? Did you find that as your kind of safe haven in these various schools? Yeah, I guess I guess I just like to show off a lot. <laughs> so I think it started with kind of like singing. I was quite, a, uh, I kind of said how I felt a lot of the time when I was younger. Um, and I was quite, quite wore everything on my sleeve. Um, I, I think that's quite a good trait, though. Good quality. Yeah, it's useful. Um, I suppose it means that I've, I've kind of, I don't know. I've just never really fitted into a certain group because I will just say what I I feel and do what I want. Um, 
and I guess that led quite nicely into entertainments because yeah (laughs) express yourself yeah so was drama always a love then just purely from from that fact and then of course you're singing what's what came first the the drama the acting or the singing um I'd say the singing came first I was always really interested in the drama side of it you know the acting side but um you know the wrong kind of teachers teach you uh, and tell you the wrong things and so it kind of put me off it a little bit so so the singing kind of kept developing I got better and better at that and you know people were asking me to do stuff and then I started kind of going to musicals which had you know which you obviously have to act in a musical um and and so that kind of synergy pushed me further into acting as I wanted to discover why I was singing stuff or why I was doing stuff more yeah and I suppose doing a musical you have that it's just the performance element. Cause I suppose when you were probably doing your music lessons, singing lessons and things every now and then you'd probably end up singing a musical song and you can, yeah. with the lyrics, the, the passion and the, the feelings come, come with what you're singing, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. I, I think how I saw it was, you know, I got to this point at drama school where I was just showboating, you know, I, I could sing quite a lot of, I had quite a vocal range and stuff like that. So I was like, Oh, I'm just going to show off. And then as I kind of, uh, exited drama school and started kind of getting stuff to audition for, you know, TV stuff and, and all sorts of plays and things. I started to realise, you know, that that diving into the text is actually really interesting and you end up kind of um, expanding, uh, expanding that box that is your mind and, and, and finding all sorts of interesting subjects to study. You know, like at the moment, we're in Glow and Darkness and I'm I'm going 12th, 13th century. I'm, I'm really going over like my history lessons when I was younger and stuff. And it's, it's just really interesting. It just broadens you so much. So yeah, I, definitely. I, curiosity got me more into the acting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, am, I, am I right in saying as well that your sister was in Oliver when she was younger? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that probably had a, some, somewhat of an influence as well. So yeah. is she older or younger? She's younger. She's 20. She's 20. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. So were you already breaking in yourself when that happened? Um, kind of, I, I was curious and I was doing, you know, um, oh, no, I guess not. I guess the kind of, I suppose jealousy drew me into it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sibling rivalry. Yeah. How long was she in that for then? Uh, gosh, she was in Oliver for like the best part of a year and a bit, I guess. And then, um, yeah, she was, she went to Tring and, and kind of, I got jealous and followed down that route and started auditioning for this drama group. Um, what was what was that drama group? Because you went to arts ed, but was that just before that? No, this uh, yeah, this was before that. This was quite a bit before that. It was called Song Time, and it became the British Theatre Academy. Um, and they're doing really well at the moment, actually. They've, they've got quite a few random shows in the West End. They had like Annie Junior in the West End. Oh, there so, you go. So they feel like quite well. But I auditioned for them, and I got this scholarship, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, and then yeah, I guess. I guess you just push and push and just keep stepping up steps and then you start to yeah. get some rules. And yeah. the, sky, the sky's the limit. And then you found yourself at Arts Ed, which is, of course, a drama school. And there's no, no way that I'm going to say that it's the right way into the industry because there's multiple paths. But it, it clearly yeah. worked for you. What was that? Was it a year or three years for you at Arts Ed? Three years. Three years. Three years. Yeah. So that was probably quite a good thing because often I actually think people who do a one-year course, it's often too short. It flies by. So at least three years, you kind of had an opportunity to do a variety of shows. You're, you're what's known in the industry as a triple threat, which puts me highly to shame. No, no, no. <laughs> cool. 
I, it's weird, actually. You, you kind of go into that course. Um, I don't know why I wanted to do it. I think I just, I just loved watching Spring Awakening there one time um, and thought, you know, it's a long shot. I couldn't dance back then. I couldn't really act. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I, I, I kind of blagged my way in and then basically got drilled for three solid years um, and came out kind of like a military soldier um, of, of performing, which is a, a weird title. But like, yeah, you come out with that all those skills, but not quite an idea of how to, how to use them. Um, and I guess then the, the, the business or the industry as it is kind of shapes you, doesn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you, you've learned that, you know, you have to adapt to every job you're in. And it, oh, it definitely. Kind of, yeah, definitely. So I think over those three years, then you were kind of given the tool book, so to speak, and, and the, the ways that you can apply them, but you just weren't sure necessarily. Yeah, yeah. 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 I guess you just wade around until you start finding something that makes you feel grounded. So do you think when you arrived at um at drama school then you were quite a raw performer then? And so it kind of gave you kind of an opportunity to polish up your skills. I suppose so. I've done quite a lot of um you know, youth theatre shows and stuff like that. So I feel like, you know, I was I was kind of ready for for the abuse uh, that you kinda of get thrown at drama school. You know, you get broken down. Yeah. Uh, and so, so I was kind of ready for it um, to a degree. And yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Artside was, Artside was a, a strange three years. It was amazing. And I came out a completely different person. I mean, physically as well, you just transform because you're just sweating it out every day. Yeah, 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 totally. So is that where you were lucky enough to pick up your first agent? Uh, yes, I went with Cam. Um, guy called gavin denton jones who's who was very good really nice guy really enjoyed him but uh yeah what was the production then what was that what was that show that saw you into stardom um, i did something called soho cinders um which is a show about cinderella but kind of like um with a gay twist set in like a politician falling in love with a young guy and it's it's, it's an interesting subject and and uh I don't know. I guess he saw me. My agent told me he saw me in a random show at the Palladium with Kerry Ellis. Oh, right. I was like a kind of backing singer at the time. And he, he inquired about me then and then came to Soho Cinders and was like, that's great. Well, there we go. Let's, let's get you on board. But drama school, I'm interested to hear what you, you say about this because drama school is notoriously the place to get signs and agent. And often people see drama school as their, their route into the industry for more opportunity. Did you, when you were at drama school and when you were maybe doing other shows, did you have that anxiety as the years went on, concerned about potentially not being signed? Because, you know, I'm sure that there are people that leave drama school unsigned talent and they are still immensely talented. They just don't have that, that opportunity because at the end of the day, getting an agent probably is nine times out of 10 luck to hmm. get that, that first one. So how did you deal with that? If, if that is how you feel and, and indeed you might know some friends who probably went through something similar. Yeah. Um, well, I never had the anxiety, luckily. Um, I didn't really, I wasn't, you know, fussed about getting an agent at the end of my three years. I was kind of, I'm very like, what's in front of me is going on in front of me. I, I, the rest is, is kind of, it will happen. Um, but also I had like agents and, and people representing me before I went to drama school. And so it was, you know, going to auditions and things and all of that wasn't really a shock. 
Yeah. Um, and I wasn't really chomping at the bit to get that. I know some people can be quite um, keen to get an agent and get started, but I, I, I have a feeling that if, from my perspective, if you focus on what's in front of you rather than what's, what's miles and miles in front of you right now, rather than what's way in the future, then that stuff works itself out. Baby steps is better than the, the bigger picture, I suppose. hundred percent. Yeah. I just, I just guess focus on the task you've got and, and then the next one will come and the next one will come. And if you commit yourself to all of them, then you'll enjoy your life much more. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So at what stage did uh, you uh, standing on stage in your tiny briefs in Rocky happen? <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> oh man. Um, I did a year in Cats, the musical. Um, I got back from Miami and then uh, this was like my second year at drama school and I, I, I auditioned for this, of the Rocky Horror Show and and that happened then. So I don't really know how to describe, I don't really describe how that came about. I guess it was just like part, <laughs> of, part of a treadmill. And then, yeah, all of a sudden I'm on this stage and there's cameras flying over us and we're doing a live cinema performance. So it's really? quite Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that uh, particularly at the start of your career, because you, as you said earlier, you were kind of rooted in your singing yourself potentially prior to to the drama and acting. But it's interesting that, you were very much musical orientated and perhaps stage orientated in, as yeah. you broke into the industry and then have found yourself transitioning throughout your career, doing more and more screen stuff. Yeah. Uh, that was, I think that, uh, that was a, a conscious choice personally. Um, I put myself out of work for quite a long time to start doing the other stuff. Um, there's a, as much as we like to shun it away, there is a stigma, you know, it's, it's actually being broken down at the moment. I'm, I'm seeing so many more of my musical friends getting into TV and, and it's really nice to see. Um, and also, you know, with Apple TV, Hulu, uh, Netflix, mm. Amazon, that stuff, there's so much stuff being churned out that being an actor in the UK is now becoming just that being an actor. It's not, you're a musical actor or a, or a stage actor or, a, you know, there's no, there's no divide. You're all, you're all acting. You're all living stories. Definitely. I, I mean, there's no denying that you've had some great theatre credits, uh, two of which I have seen. I saw Heathers and oh, yeah. Cruel Intentions. Both, one, so one was in London, one was in Edinburgh. And I, I love both of the shows, actually. I, I really enjoyed Heathers because I actually went in there. I'm not, I'm not particularly knowledgeable about my musicals, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and actually, I thought Jamie was brilliant as well. And Because I, yeah. I, I went because I knew Nathan in it and then ended up knowing Sophie and now you. So I, pretty yeah. much now I know half the cast, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, and actually, that, that cast really did lead me astray because I think we ended up in the Hippodrome at 3 a.m., Oh, nice, nice, classic. That is very classic. But um, I talked about Edinburgh there, and Edinburgh is a particular favourite place of mine, having performed up there and been there. But how would you describe the Edinburgh Fringe to somebody who, listening who might not know what what that month is? It it's just a a month of just colour and whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I saw it, if I'm honest. Um, it was amazing. It was, it was unbelievable. There's so much going on. Like you can't actually see everything. No um, and so, and you can try and you'll see some awful stuff, but you'll see some amazing stuff and, and, and you'll just be surrounded by 
open-minded creative people it's it's i just i just don't think you can go your life and not go to edinburgh festival no i i could not agree more i I went out for like a fleeting 48-hour visit last year and you know i got hardly any sleep i ended up seeing like 15 shows in 48 hours and i was just like i went back a broken man but i was just like but that's what edinburgh is all about you've got to just immerse yourself in the opportunities that are up there yeah it's it's so good for your mind it's so good for your imagination as well and and like you say why would you want to sleep when you've got so much amazing stuff around you oh absolutely but what has been your favorite role to date then I know that's tricky because they're all, you know, fantastic and probably hold a special place in your heart and are unique, but... Yeah, I guess that they're all fun. Um, but I am going to pressure you. Say, yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say Cruel Intentions. Um, just for the... How it was, it felt like acting and it's, it's very like what it means, you know, that being in that creative world, being in that um, kind of... It's, it's not it's not the West End. It's not all flashy. It's, it's all to the core. And I don't know, there's something really gritty about it. That I loved. That's the word I would use. Actually. I remember yeah. actually with my friend, when I was watching, I used that word. Yeah. Um, and, and it really is quite memorable for that reason. Cause you see a lot of wishy washy, not wishy washy. That makes me sound like I really don't like musicals. I love musicals, but you know, like you see like the happily ever after musicals and it's like yeah. the classic arc and whatever. But I, I don't think that is the case with cruel intentions. No, and what was cool about Cruel Intentions was that like the soundtrack fit with the actual soundtrack of the movie, and and as they kind of cheesily came in, I don't know. There was it's just I just loved that show. I just thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. So we we briefly talked there about that. That completely hot. What? I got to explore a side of me that was completely horrible, and I loved it. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ter- terrible role played by a great actor. um we yeah we touched on it there about your your transition into screen and so as we said you're now out in madrid shooting glow and darkness and you are you are number one on the call sheet you're playing francis of assisi which is pretty epic um how did you find it because you weren't necessarily cast as um francis of assisi first up were you because there was some difficulties regarding um the pandemic uh, and ultimately the, yeah, yeah. the the original actor cast um fell luke. fell subject to the to the to the illness um so it's a guy called luke cosgrove uh he's i think he's an australian guy he seems very nice from what i've heard from everyone um but he had to fly back i think because he was a little bit worried about covid and you know it was getting a bit serious um and so i think he flew back uh, a bit early and so there was a bit of a cast shift around and they needed to get another Francis and um, yeah I ended up getting it so I mean yeah it was interesting how I'm did that come about then because were you already in the show no I wasn't um, I had auditioned for it like months and months in uh, prior to that um, and just heard nothing so I kind of thought it was gone but then you know as soon as lockdown started I started getting callbacks for the part of Francis and I was like, Oh, this is unusual. Um, and then got the part and then obviously found out everything else as I went. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's very strange. In fact, I remember cause I did my self tape for, for my role in like the end of January, 2020. And then yeah. I heard <laughs> three days before to fly out or in like September, 
September or October. And they just called me being like, oh, you got the role from the self-tape. And I was like, I couldn't remember. I got the call from my agent. He was telling me about the show. And obviously I probably did like however many self-tapes since then. And I was like, hang on, can I just look it up quickly? I can't even remember. But then it's so strange how self-tapes work like that. So weird. I I mean, self-tapes are never a straight line. They always, um, I mean, clearly for you it was on that occasion, but... That's never happened before for me. Never, never. Uh, and so I had, I had a self-tape, then I had an audition with the director on Skype, because obviously social distancing and that. And then I went to, um, then, I, then I had an audition with the casting director on Skype. And then didn't hear anything for a while, then had to do another audition for the casting director with like guitar and singing and, and all sorts in it. And it was just thing after thing and I, my head was bamboozled. And then all of a sudden I got this call saying, you got the role, do you want to fly out? And like, whenever it was, it was absolute chaos. How much notice were you given before you flew out? Gosh, I can't remember. It, it, it wasn't, no, it was literally like a day. Really? Like, wow. I was, I was living in London. I knew I'd got the role. But then they, they called me while I was in this Airbnb and was and I bought it for a month and I'd only been there two weeks. And they were like, hey, can you fly out tomorrow? And I was like, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't write it. No, but I was like, it was good and bad, but. Brilliant, I love it. We actually, I was, because I was going through your credit list as well, just talking, to have a look at things. And I saw that you went out for a role in The Crown and you got the role, which is the same one I went yeah, yeah, yeah. But So how have, you, how have you found that then, working on, the, on sets of, of this scale and enormity compared to that stage? Um, well, The Crown and Glow and Darkness are so different in, in the way they run. You know, like, um, you probably know this, every, every single set is run completely different, so you never know what you're going to get. But um, The Crown was very kind of, churn machine churned it out you know you, you got on set you did your job um you went you know I, I hung with the writer for a bit it was very cool um yeah it was just a nice experience really easy glow and darkness is absolute chaos i love it but it's madness um it, there's so much going on you know it's 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 an epic scale production with you know horse chases big wars um fight scenes the whole time and then you know i've got big musical numbers as well in it dotting in amongst those and so so yeah it's i I do love working on both of them but glowing darkness is exhausting no of course of course well yeah you're probably looking forward to a good rest how have you find have you found that being away though for a long period of time particularly in another country because this production is a spanish production how have you found it being away from your your partner and also your family uh well luckily my partner's actually out here with me now so that's that's useful um that's nice uh and then uh my family it's been it's been ups and downs you know like um i i kind of love to focus on what i'm doing at the time and and we haven't really stopped on this and so it's uh, breaking it up would, would stop the momentum. And so I'm kind of grateful that I've been out here for this long, but now I think I do need a rest. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What it, if you do get a given a day off, like today, for example, what do, you, what do you do to just take your mind off it? Because, you know, work is work by the sounds of things. And when it's, you're not working, you need to be able to switch off. So what, are your, what do you do to switch off? Oh, today I had a self-tape, so that was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I know, hashtag grateful. Yeah, um, exactly. But it's like, I guess, yeah, just go to the gym, 
like um do a bit of boxing or something i love boxing at the moment um what else i'm gonna go shopping in a bit maybe get a pizza just kind of let the day mellow out and then maybe look at some more lines or something yeah definitely well that, that's, that's a great point how do you stay motivated during this time as well because you're lucky to be working on glow and darkness and by the sounds of things there's no kind of end date in sight so to speak well not that i'm not that i'm aware of um <laughs> but how, how do you kind of stay motivated because you say you're doing that self-tape today and it is your day off that's your time but you also got to acknowledge that you know this job will end and you've got to look forward to the next one yeah, yeah. Um, so how do you stay motivated um I, I think it's finding a reason to do everything um finding like w- the why in amongst everything you know particularly with self-tapes um while i'm while i'm exhausted you know i like you said it's it's looking to the future it's but also if i look at it from a a development point of view if i think oh i get to act something different i get to break that box of what i've been doing and maybe discover another part of me that i didn't know so it's i think it's an opportunity every every everything that's handed to you every uh, thing you want to do is an opportunity you know going to the gym as well it's bettering myself it's it's preparing for what's next and also just it's like meditation for me. Yeah, definitely. Do you do any, do you, do you play any instruments? Uh, yeah, I play guitar. I thought so, yeah. Do you, do you have your yeah. guitar out there? Uh, yeah, somewhere. <laughs> In the <What>? cupboard. <laughs> I've got time. I'm waiting. Oh, man, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> ah, no. Oh. No, maybe, maybe I'm on the spot. I've been performing like a performing monkey for months. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. So what, what's, what is next then? Um, have you got anything booked there hereafter? Or, you know, throughout 2021, particularly probably halfway through, you're going to be working on this. But do you know what is next? Yeah. Um, no. You know, no. For the first time in a while, I'm quite, I'm quite content with that right now. Um, definitely, not, I'll need a little bit of break after this. But, you know, who knows what, what will happen? I mean, you know how it is. You, you kind of want a break and then all of a sudden someone calls you and you're off to another country and it's like, Ugh. Yeah. Also, you know, that time that you talked about where you kind of took yourself away from the stage to devote time to the screen when you weren't mm. working, you probably got like almost like itchy feet. And I bet there were probably a couple of offers for stage and you were like, oh, I'm going to just hold out, got to hold yeah. out. And you've just yeah. grit, I suppose, grit your teeth. Cause I know that you'll want a break, but I reckon after two weeks you'll be like, oh, I want to be working. Yeah. I, I think, how I've how I've kind of seen it in the past few years is um, when I was a graduate, you know, I was very grateful for every job. You know, I was I was I was saying yes to everything, and now it's 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 I have different reasons for wanting to do stuff. You know, you you start you start working out what you want in your life as as a as a human being rather than just you know a professional all the time. You know, I I guess you you lose that constant obsession with like work, work, work. And you, you start thinking what's, what's right for you. What do you need at this time? And yeah, that's how it, that's how it works now. I think that's a really good point. I like, it comes to a point where when you probably start out in your career, you need to be saying yes, build up the credits and everything, but actually you are a human being and you want to be able to live and be happy ultimately. Happiness probably comes before, before the next credit, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's there's been some times where I've been offered jobs that I'd, I'd love to do, but, you know, the producer isn't offering enough money at the time so I can't survive. And 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 it's, it's I guess it's the constant struggle with being an actor, isn't it? You've got to 
you've got to work out how to get through this career without, you know, like decimating yourself financially and, and, and fulfilling yourself creatively at the same time. Have you got any side hustles then? Uh, I was a PT um, a little bit before this as well. I did that at kind of White City House to kind of remain oh. in the world. Yeah, it was an amazing gym. And also the people in there, it was all actors and stuff. So it's such a nice atmosphere to be, be around and you're constantly around creative people. So it was- that's, that's really nice. Um, I, know, I know that I'll be kicked by any musical fans if I don't ask you. What is your favourite number then? My favourite number? Musical uh, number to sing. Not a literal number, yes, 14. No, no, no. <laughs> your favourite musical uh, number? Favourite musical number? To perform or listen to or both. Iris. Iris from uh, Cruel Intentions by the Goo Goo Dolls. There we go. Like, it's my favourite song in the world. I love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> uh, right. I've got my final two questions that I always pretty much ask every guest. The first one is, I know that it's still kind of still early and fresh in what you'd consider your career and, and what is to come. But is there anything that you wish you'd known before you'd actually started your career? Anyone that could have, if you could wind back time, if just someone had just whispered in your ear a little bit of info, would that have been anything in particular? Uh, stop trying to please people. Um, you know, you are you. And if someone doesn't like that, then, you know, they don't deserve your time, I suppose, or you just don't need to give them your time. Um, yeah, just always, always do you. <laughs> I really like I that. Yeah. And finally, what does the word headstrong mean to you? Headstrong. Um, it's kind of similar to thick skin in some ways. Uh, I suppose for me, headstrong, headstrong is, is being able to create a life around you that is, is conducive to something that builds healthy habits and, 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 and I guess, fills you of the nutrients you need every day, whether it be mentally or, or, or um, physically. Yeah, for sure. Is there, a, is there a particular quote that you, uh, you hold dear to your heart or something that kind of mentality that you hold, hold close to you to conduct your way of life? Um, <laughs> there's, there's a few, actually. Um, there's that moment in Pirates of the Caribbean where <laughs> they ask, they ask, they ask, uh, Jack Sparrow or, or Johnny Depp, you know, what about some a certain moment? He's like, I like those moments. I like to wave at them as they pass me by. So that, that, that that's quite funny. And then uh, uh, my um, God, this is an awful quote. But my 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 father said it to me years ago when I was when I was like five years old or something. He's like, "Well, I see the world from a tent when you can see it from a five star hotel." I was like. <laughs> I just think it. I just think it's so funny and ballsy and to the point. Oh, I love it. Oh, why not? <laughs> the essence of it, rather than rather than you know what it means. Oh, definitely. Hmm. Yeah. How about you? Um, uh, any quotes that I live by? Well, actually, if we're, we're if we're going on quotes, actually from productions, um, my favourite quote is actually from the Lion King, um, right. from the or- original, the animated one, and yeah. I think. Uh, Timon and Pumbaa are talking to Simba and um, they're talking about kind of worrying. Yeah. And, he, and they say, because Hakuna Matata means no worries, right? And he goes, um, he, they ask the question, can you fix it? 
And he goes, no. And then he says, so why are you worrying about it? There we go. And, it's, uh, and also another one in Lion King as well, which I love, is when um, uh, Simba gets hit on the head with a stick and he went, ow, that hurt. And he goes, well, yeah, but it's in the past. You can either run from it or you can learn from it. Oh, yes. I know that one. Is that, is that Rafiki? Yeah, Rafiki. Uh, classic. There's one more I like. It's, it's the Wayne Gretzky. Uh, you missed 100% of the shots you don't take. Of course. Iconic. Very nice. Iconic. Dom, <laughs> absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for that. I uh, really enjoyed it. So, uh, well, there we are. And that is it for this episode of Headstrong. I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in consistently every week to have a listen to these episodes. But if this is your first time, feel free to hit the subscribe button. There are a great number of episodes to come. And indeed, have a look through the catalogue of all the Headstrong episodes to date. I'm sure there'll be one in there that you might enjoy. A huge, huge thank you to Dom for joining me on Headstrong. We wish him all the best for the rest of Glow and Darkness, and I can't wait to see it in 2021. Hopefully see you next week for another episode of Headstrong. As I say, be sure to hit that subscribe button. And if you do have the time, please subscribe and maybe leave a review. Every little helps. Until next time, stay headstrong, stay positive and stay safe. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 